Hello and welcome to Panels in Motion, the podcast where we read a comic, watch the movie adaptation, and figure out what went right or what went wrong. Today we're going to be talking about Kingsman, The Secret Service, uh, the book from 2012 and the movie from 2014. So starting out the book was written, well, actually, I'm going to start by saying hi to you guys. So starting out. Yeah, hey guys, what's up? I, yeah, I I felt I was a little shy. I didn't want to say. Yeah, I felt shy. Normally, I jump in on you when when you say mm-hmm. wrong, but like today, I didn't feel it. I'm a, That's I'm why little... I felt odd today. <laughs> yeah. So today, we're going to be talking about Kingsman: The Secret Service, the book. We're going to start out with it was written by Mark Miller and co-plotted by Matthew Vaughn, who'd go on to uh, direct the movie. It was penciled by Dave Gibbons of Watchmen fame. It was inked by Dave Gibbons and Andy Lanning, colored by Angus McKee, and lettered by Dave Gibbons and Angus McKee. Hmm. It was released in 2012 via Icon, which is Marvel's creator-owned imprint for their A-list creators at the time. And the basic story premise is that Eggsy, a young, poor delinquent, is recruited by his uncle into a secret spy organization called the Kingsmen, where he helps foil a global conspiracy. So original. Classic. So, so original. So, um, I don't want to. I don't want to pan the comic too much. I actually did enjoy it a lot, but I do want to start out by talking about the writer of this book, Mark Miller, um, who is a very well-known and very controversial figure. How is so, he controversial? That this is oh, this is. I have no idea who this guy is. I know he wrote Kickass, but like, what? Like, what is so bad about him? Yeah. So going over his career, just in a very quick way, uh, he started out writing 2000 AD strips. 2000 AD is a weekly sci-fi anthology, which is huge in the UK, probably the biggest comic book in the UK. And that includes uh, stories uh, for Judge Dredd, which Uh, is a pretty well-known character. Off to a good start. Uh, After that, he became friends with Grant Morrison, uh, who is one of my personal favorite writers and has a very large cult following in comics. And Morrison helped him get started on DC books and acted as sort of a mentor for a while until the two had a major falling out. What? And, what happened? What's the juicy details? Um, you mean the basically, they were working together and Mark Miller started to deny the amount that Morrison had helped him. And that had led to Morrison eventually saying, quote, I wish him well, but there's not good feeling between myself and Mark for many reasons, most of which are he destroyed my faith in human fucking nature. Oh my God. That's great. (laughs) That's big. He he really did him wrong. Wait, he, he, so he, just to be clear, he just stopped caring. Like he made Grant Morrison feel like he didn't need him kind of thing or like, yeah, and also there was something about credits and uh, him just denying the amount of uh, work and effort that Morrison had helped him with in his stories, uh, that it's kind of thing. Up. Well, so nobody really knows the full story there. That just this is where he starts going downhill. Then I'm assuming. Well, that was in the late '90s, early 2000s. Oh, oh, oh. And oh, so okay. in the early 2000s, he started getting jobs at Marvel. He helped start the Ultimate Marvel Universe, 
and he was the original writer on Ultimate X-Men and The Ultimates, which oh. is the single biggest inspiration for the live-action Avengers movies. So he also wrote a few mainline Marvel comics, including Civil War, mm. which of course was later adapted into Captain America Civil War, and Old Man Logan, which was the biggest inspiration for the movie Logan. Love that. Uh, Love that movie. Something fishy here. So mm. something's, yeah, there's, there's some sort of pattern emerging. Um, but <laughs> all those he so wrote strange. in the 2000s, and then they got adapted in the 2010s. Mm-hmm. Um, so Wanted was the first comic that he wrote that was made into a movie. He wrote that in 2004, and the movie came out in 2008. Then uh, around that time, he also wrote Kick-Ass, which was then adapted into a movie in 2010. Wow, and that movie was those, so big when, it, when we were in high school. I remember that movie being like the biggest thing ever. Yeah, it, it I, was. Yeah, I, I watched it two or three times in theaters. I only saw the <laughs> sequel, which made me not want to watch the first one. But I heard the first one's actually good. The first one was directed by Matthew Vaughn. The second one wasn't. Oh, so ooh, there's, a there's a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So when when those two happened, he realized, oh, my God. Uh, number one, I don't have to work for these superhero companies to be successful number two i can do my own stuff make my own comics which are the things that i want to do and still be rich (laughs) because Ah. you can't do that in comics otherwise unless you get a movie deal but he still did love comics so that was his career change from that point forward and then he started making creator own comics under his uh umbrella miller world and uh he did them with the intention of Number one, making a comic, but number two, creating an IP that could be sold as movies. From that point forward, almost every book he's made in the last decade was optioned either shortly after or even before the book's release. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I don't know if I like that. As the cherry on top, in 2017, Netflix bought Miller World, the entire (laughs) company, and every uh, the rights to every book that every creator owned book that he made. And I don't know if this guy's like an evil, like an evil like <laughs> genius or if he's just like super smart, like what? He made, so, like, yeah, he now made money off of comics. To, so. They own the rights to all future film and TV adaptations of all of his creator owned properties, except for Kick-Ass and Kingsman, since they were already in. I don't know how to feel about that. Like, I feel happy for him. I feel it's cool, but it's like, you know, that kind of makes me think about the comic we just read. Um, and I had some thoughts about that that were related to that. So now, like, actually knowing this detail, like, it um, it kind of reveals things. I mean, he's got to be doing it on purpose at this point. It's been too, happened too often. For it yeah. To not. And so there are a lot of reasons why people dislike him. <laughs> There's right. I mean, all obviously a lot of reasons why people love him. Um, I don't know necessarily about love. But there are a lot of people who still buy and read his work and who love the things that are made out of it. Um, But the main reasons people dislike him are the Morrison fallout. If someone's a huge fan of Grant Morrison, they probably know about it. And they're like, oh, that Mark Miller guy. Um, People don't like that his stories rely a lot on shock value. And maybe not rely, but they typically have a lot of like shocking moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. People think that he's a hack for making film pitches instead of comics. And people also dislike his politics. He's pro-Brexit. So there's a lot of reasons why uh, people feel very guy. mixed on him. But oh getting back gosh. to yeah, getting back to the point of today, we're talking about Kingsman. The comic started as a discussion between Mark Miller and Matthew Vaughn because they had become friends after making Kick-Ass together, which, by the way, 
Matthew Vaughn independently produced. He got the investors for it. There was no studio attached when they made the movie. And that's what? how much he believed yeah. in it and wanted yeah. to make it. Yeah, I just think that's really interesting. So then the two of them became friends. And then they were having a discussion about this. And uh, Mark Miller, I guess, then went off to write the comic. He went back to a pitch that he made to Marvel in the early 2000s for a S.H.I.E.L.D. comic where uh, Nick Fury would be training a new younger delinquent recruit. And he basically turned that into the thing that they were imagining. Once the comic was done, he brought it back to Matthew Vaughn. And then he said, okay, yeah, I can make I a movie out I of this. I don't like that. And then he did. You sh- you shouldn't start a you shouldn't start a comic in hopes of it becoming a movie. You should just start a comic I mean, because you want to make it into a comic. Like, but there's like nothing inherently wrong with him like wanting to tell a story and utilizing one medium that is less cost like that is less cost involved with it. Um, to try to get money to make the the the, the bigger thing. You know, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I just imagine to me reading this book, I really didn't feel like it was just a movie pitch. It really seems like mm-hmm. Mark Miller knows and understands and loves comics. And that's why he does them as comics first. Like at this point in his career, he could just be a screenwriter if he really wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I didn't get that impression either, to be honest. I, I get the, I get how people could get that impression, but I didn't get the impression that it was like lazy. Like it, it, it felt like he, he used, it was thin on by design, I feel like he he just wanted to get, get the story told, but like it wasn't like, I mean, if it was a mo- only a movie pitch, it would have been way worse, you know. And there were already things that were like flawed with it. So, I I, I have I have to disagree with you with that because when I was reading the comic, it very much felt like a like first draft of a working pitch of a script, where it's like mm-hmm. like he would you know write it in a month and then have people look it over and be like, hey, instead of having the little brother roll a spliff in this scene for the movie, because then we'll get an R rating, why don't we just uh, make him a baby? And then we yeah. don't have to deal with that. Yeah, I, I, I see what you mean. There were definitely moments where you were, I, it felt like it was just a first draft of the story, but I just, like, I'm kind of still with Nick. Like, I, 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 I just feel like it wasn't a perfect story as opposed to it being, like, a first draft of screenplay. And maybe it was, like, the second draft of a, of a written story that needed mm-hmm. a little bit more polishing. And then they just had the opportunity to do that when they got money, like, a lot of money to make the film, you know? No, honestly, I feel like, he wrote a comic book story. I feel like he wasn't exactly writing a movie story. And I think the the major thing for me is that there was so much more focus on uh, on the emotional inner life of the characters, mm-hmm. not necessarily the inner life, but the lives, the lives of the characters. Mm-hmm. And I feel like so much time was spent developing Eggsy and his uh, his world, his family, yeah. uh, his friends probably a third of the book was dedicated just to his ordinary, not just his ordinary life scenes, but also the stuff that came later uh, that went back to showing how his ordinary life had been changing and his mom and getting her away from the abusive stepdad and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I can say that the the comic did that much better. Totally. In in regards to character development with Eggsy, the only sort of compassion besides like you know he hit my mom so i'm gonna beat him up or like i love this dog so i'm not gonna shoot this dog and then it's like oh he's a he's a white knight and it's like oh i guess kind of 
He's yeah. a white. Yeah. I think Mark Miller just has very uh, broad and commercial sensibilities in general. And, you know, you can see that by he literally saves a cat in, I think, the first issue. And that's the reason. Yeah, it was the first issue. Okay, and that's the right. reason why he got caught by the cops, because yeah. he wanted to save a cat. And if like if listeners don't know, Save the Cat is just an idea for uh, like screenwriting where you, in the beginning you want to have your character do something really nice and good so that your audience connects with the person and likes them. And you want them to save the cat in the beginning of the movie. Um, so what do you guys think overall? Uh, we'll start with Andre. Yeah, so um, I thought it was a really like fun, quick read. It was uh, really enjoyable for the most part. I liked the art was freaking amazing. And it's funny because the story is so much like Watchmen um, when it comes to the villain. And then I find out afterwards that it was the Watchmen artist. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. Um, it was it was like an okay plot, to be honest, because it, 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 just, it just felt kind of thin. Like at the end of the day, like the story just like felt kind of thin. I felt like the problems like got resolved too easily um, sometimes and and that like sometimes they could have done more. There was like missing chapters in a way um, to me. But um, for the most part, it was like just a fun, quick read. I, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed the character. I enjoyed the characters. And um, I definitely would recommend it because it's just like a, a, a fun book. Luke, what about you? Uh, I got to be honest. I didn't really like it that much. It felt very much like a rough draft of a movie script. When when I when I found out that it was the same person that drew Watchmen, I was actually kind of disappointed. Like I really loved the art of Watchmen. I think like I was just looking back before we started this uh, recording and all the characters are just they look so unique and they feel so unique and looking at the art for the Kingsman, it every single white guy looks exactly like a white guy uh the only character that i like like all the henchmen look like henchmen uh the only <clears throat> character who i thought had any sort of difference was the villain who just looks like adam driver to me from the back and from the front too like just put glasses on adam driver and he could have played this villain in the movie but it's you know they changed the the acting to that but yeah like the story was the story wasn't great um i didn't like the character design the art felt like he did it in a weekend like as a as a favor no way. yeah like dude there's 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 a specific point i when eggsy like gets his makeover which we can talk about that and from that point forward, I was like, oh, great. I have no idea who's talking at this time. Is it the uncle? Eggsy has brown Is it eyes. Eggsy? His uncle has blue eyes. Duh. It did confuse me when they switched the colors of the suits because yeah. they were they made a big deal about Eggsy's blue suit. And then all of a sudden, Jack was wearing a blue suit. You got to yeah. remember, Eggsy <laughs> has brown eyes. I, I, Eggsy's kind of like regular dude. And his uncle he's like special. an egg, yeah. which will eventually be a chicken, which... Have a brown part on them. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> they just look like, like. Uh, You're just a hater, Luke. Come on, I am. Let's I am a hater. Truth. Spit it out. And You're a hater. Listen, That's I need. I need to get a haircut, so maybe I'm feeling a little, uh, a little anxious about that. But um, <laughs> yeah, the, Luke only likes comics that are by underground cartoonists. Um, but, he, but he exclusively <laughs> reads zines. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> the only thing that I really liked about the story was that uh, it's basically the the villain was the personification of ecofascism, which you don't really see a lot. I thought it was a really good idea to to make that whole like evil plot around that, though, to be honest, because I mean, mm-hmm. if you're being coldly logical and like, I guess that would be the answer. But no, it's like, a very Thanos like plan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a very Thanos-like yeah. plan. Yeah, but it's like, like what, what the fuck? You know, it's like so. It's so classist of the villain to be like, let me. Mm-hmm. No, he's just, it's just horrible. He's a horrible person. But I'm just saying it, like, for him to be like, I'm saving the world, but let me save the rich people. <laughs> yeah, let me save it's the like, rich people. And do the, you not the see the I flaw like. in your plan, dude? You're just gonna have all these rich people live. So you're just killing poor people. That's what you're doing. You know. <laughs> well, in in this. It was different in the movie. In the movie, it was just his rich friends. But in the comic, it was uh, like celebrities and that he was obsessed with. Uh, You're right. People I that like he that. liked. Yeah. Yeah. So it's even weirder. That was funny to me. <laughs> that was kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's good in a like you know very dark humor sort of way, which I think Miller does well. Yeah. So talking about the the classism thing, <laughs> um, the story works as kind of a like rags to riches story in a way. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess a few, a few thoughts. Number one, was it cheap and easy or did it work for you? And I mean, based on that, I just want to say my thoughts first. Yeah. I felt like it's kind of like, uh, like poverty porn, but also kind of like a white savior, but the rich version, like poor to rich yeah. as yeah. opposed to like white versus just person rich. of color rich saver <laughs> yeah yeah and I, I, i'm sort of mixed on those thoughts because on on the one hand yes it was a hundred percent that but on the other hand it still kind of worked as a yeah. story yeah and it, it wasn't too like vilifying of poor people a hundred percent there were many yeah. moments in that story where like like there were some lines that the uncle said, it's like, you're going to live on food stamps for the rest of your life and be a loser kind of thing. And I remember reading those lines mm-hmm. and I'm being like, look, I mean, I get what it's like, what he's saying. Like, you don't want to be relying on the government. You want to try to be free. But like the way that it comes off, it comes vilifying poor people. Like you guys mm-hmm. are poor people who take food stamps because you're poor and you don't care about anything, you know? So I just mm-hmm. felt like, I did feel like it did. It did kind of vilify. It did kind of vilify um, poor people in that way. Like they're lazy and they like to fuck around and do nothing. And and I mean that's sometimes the case. But um, I, I I agree with you. But at the same time, now that I think about it more, it's hard to ignore that reality. You know, Luke. What? Any thoughts? Fuck the uncle. Really, I I was happy when he got <laughs> shot in the head. <laughs> oh my god, I wasn't. <laughs> no, but there was, but like, especially when he was like, "Oh, you know, I should have, I should have been there more for you over these twenty years or whatever." Yeah. Like, okay, like, but that, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that I really like that they changed with the movie. Like, instead of being like, yeah. "Oh yeah, no, I just wasn't there," and now all of a sudden I'm, I'm here and I'm gonna buy your. But that's mom a general problem with the movie. That, that's a general problem with the movie. Like, I, I mean, sorry, general problem with the book because like so many like plot like things were so like quick and easy. Like it's very quick and easy for the uncle to randomly have a sudden heart change. It's yeah. very quick and easy for Ambrosa to suddenly be like really tired of her boyfriend and reveal the whole entire evil plan I hate to the that. uncle. It's very easy for Eggsy to get tired of spy school and he gets, he's, he was bullied and his uncle's like, you know what? 
fuck spy school. You're going to go straight to me. You know, those are all like very easy things that were solutions to problems that like I would have loved to see some trials and tribulations for, you know, and that those mm-hmm. points I totally felt like, you know, what? this does feel like it's a pitch. Those are the points that I felt that. Yeah. Or a movie less movie. of a pitch or and more of a treatment. Like exactly. it's just going yeah. through the general yeah. points as yeah, opposed exactly. to really it, it, going deep on everything. It, feels like it, it, it fit in a lot of points and they did like create a really nice structure for the story overall. It worked. Yeah, it worked. It, it feels like it should have been like another 200 pages. Like just <laughs> yeah. all, all these things that even, even the end, even the, the, the final climax of the comic they resolved in like, five pages like yeah there was more there yeah. was more about the i guess the prologue than the actual than the, than the ending there was like 15 pages of the prologue and then five pages of the ending where he saves the world like yeah n- n- no i yeah, so we, you know- we got 50 pages about about how he hates poor people but <laughs> Like, not that bad come on no, <laughs> i'm <a little laughs> exaggerating but no but yeah, yeah i agree it's it's like his it's like his but a lot of it was a character development like which was very important and i think that's why it was so powerful and, and it was it why it worked so well because the characters were really well defined for the most part um but then the fucking solution to the problem it was like gary was like it's up to the new kids to bring to save the world and he like shows up at the bunkers where all the spy kids spy kids are at and he's like let's go guys and everyone's like yeah "Yeah, gary and then they go and they like like (laughs) they get to the base and then gary's like he gets straight to the guy and he's like this is for my uncle jack bam that's it it was like literally like a five page solution like a lot even it was like and then the guy in the halo suit in the sky like that was completely pointless but okay he's like oh guys uh, i don't know what i'm doing uh all right yeah it very much felt like a like hey during this part with the halo suit and the balloon in the movie it's it's gonna be more of a thing like like it's actually gonna it's actually gonna do something to me that part was more of them trying to play with like just the structure of typical spy stories where you typically have like, Oh, there's this 1000 to one shot and then they get it. Uh, mm-hmm. But then here mm-hmm. it was, there's a thousand to one shot and then the person just falls to their death. <laughs> yeah. And, he, he didn't die. Yeah. He didn't die. Or yeah, I, I guess they did. They, did they even show what happened? No, actually no. they didn't to be honest. They elevated the stakes with that. Like with the Roxy character yeah. who we'll talk about, she's a monster. She shot her fucking dog, but okay. Um, They, they really elevated with, the stakes because point. she was scared of, <laughs> Still, that that doesn't yeah. change shit. It was okay. the intention. Yeah. <laughs> like, we'll, we'll talk about it. Talk about <laughs> so that was one of the things I liked about the book. They set the tone up to really make a stereotypical genre spy story to like make it like almost like a spoof, like a serious spoof kind of thing. And I felt mm-hmm. like um, they had that chance. They set it up, but they failed. It ended up being like, haha, spy story. And as opposed to making like fun of the spy tropes that come with the spy yeah. story yeah and they really yeah. failed pretty quickly at that. stopped it pretty quickly stopped being funny and yeah. satirical and exactly. just became a spy story today's episode of panels in motion is brought to you by comiXology immerse yourself in over twenty thousand digital comic books graphic novels and manga titles from over 125 publishers with comiXology their first-in-class exclusive guided view technology provides an unparalleled immersive and cinematic reading experience for readers Purchase a la carte titles or start a monthly unlimited account to save 15% on select publishers. Still not sold? Try an unlimited subscription free for 30 days and see why thousands of readers trust Comixology for both classic and new releases from DC, Image, Marvel, and more. 
So the art, we already mentioned that Luke didn't like it. Andre, you seem very, very uh, passionate about this. So what do you think about the art? I loved the art. I thought it was amazing. I mean, it wasn't awesome. like it wasn't like I, w- I read it and was like, "Oh my god, best art of my life." But it was it it really it really it really worked with the story like really well. Like it it really felt clean and and modern. And I guess you're right, Luke. Some of the characters just look the same. But part of the part of that to me, I think maybe that was by design because it's a spy story. Think of all the spy stories where everyone looks the same. Like why was every James Bond character like literally look about the same? for the last like 60 years you know i felt like it worked excuse you daniel craig looks different he's a different james bond he has blonde hair he has he's a silver fox (laughs) when i watch older spy movies especially from like the 60s 70s it's not very often but when i do even 80s even 90s even to today yeah um i have trouble telling the actors apart that's just generally a thing with me (laughs) i have trouble telling actors apart period but yeah, like I, I confuse characters all the time. I cannot get behind spy stories a lot of the time because of that. Yeah. Because like you're supposed to keep track of this person's doing this, this person's doing this, but yeah. I, I literally can't. Yeah, and everybody looks the same. It, it, that's exactly yeah. it. But um, I did like yeah. the, the art a lot. And I, I thought that like the actions, um, the action was drawn, drawn really well. There was like a focus on the things that mattered. It wasn't too detailed where it, it, yes. it, where where like a lot of people add detail you could tell that the person behind the art was very very experienced in storytelling yeah so that's something that i think is really interesting about dave gibbons i think if he hadn't landed watchmen i don't think that he would be uh thought of as the great artist that he is today i feel like that's the only thing that he did that was like truly really highly critically acclaimed mm-hmm. and yeah yeah, and he is amazing at taking Alan Moore's script and doing it well. Uh, but I think that he's a very below-the-radar kind of artist. He takes the script that he's given, and he does it just in the way that tells the story exactly in the way to tell the story. Mm-hmm. He doesn't add any super- superfluous details. He doesn't like put the focus on the wrong things. He knows exactly what to show you and what not to show you. And that's something that people don't really pay attention to. It's something that they feel and that makes a good story, but it's not something that they think about when they look at art. Yeah. And you totally get that vibe when you're reading it. Yeah. And then in addition to that, I feel like the coloring sort of did him a disservice in this book um, Mm -hmm. because I think it has a very like 2000s era coloring where people started using digital coloring and like Photoshop to add highlights and start really sculpting faces. Mm -hmm. And personally, if you have a flatter art style, like what Dave Gibbons does, I think that sort of coloring doesn't work. I think that he needs, I think that he needs a flatter coloring style that like uses textures and that like uses complementary just color scapes as opposed to a more straightforward this is what it would look like as a well-lit thing that is sculpted. And uh, that yeah, type of yeah. coloring, yeah, that more nuanced type of coloring didn't really become popular until the last like six to eight years. And I think that Kingsman looks like a comic from five to 10 years before it came out because of that reason. And yeah, I think that, as I said, just does a disservice to the art. But the colorist, I think, is 
an amazing artist on his own, not in this book, but if you look up his sci-fi covers that he did for sci-fi books in like the 80s and 90s, they are incredible. Um, so highly recommend looking that up. Angus McKee is his name. But yeah, his unfortunately, his coloring didn't really work with I, the book. I don't know. I, 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 I liked it. I thought it was okay. I, I see what you're saying, but I, I don't like think it killed it, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's not, it's not an uncommon coloring style. It's just one that I personally don't like. And just branching off of all those thoughts, the lettering was computer lettered, but it was using a font that is based on Dave Gibbons' handwriting. <laughs> so I think that's super, super cool. Watchmen was hand lettered by him. Mm-hmm. So this has that same feel without ha- him having to like write all the things. And it allowed him to utilize a different letterer and still have it look like his writing. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. And that yeah, is cool. I love that is cool. I love that sort of stuff. Nice. Yeah. Um, so violence thoughts. Do you guys feel like the violence came off as gratuitous or was it just right? Was it was it good? Did you enjoy it or was it too much? Everything felt very like it felt natural. It didn't feel like uh for the most part, didn't feel too over the top. Uh the only thing that was that I didn't like and I actually went like Ew, uh, was um when gazelle got all of his body <laughs> uh, all of his arms and legs chopped off by a laser pen or whatever I, yeah it, that was the only time that i was like "Ooh, no i don't like that but like that was funny to me actually <laughs> yeah that was so that, that was well, like one of those moments it, where they nailed the satire it, <laughs> in my it, it was like it uh, when I was reading it, I was like, oh, one arm. Oh, two leg, oh, three legs. Four legs. Oh, he's just a quadriplegic now. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, and now it, now he has no head. Oh, okay. Yeah, that I was, was that now. necessary? I guess. It's a storyboard. <laughs> I, I like that one because they, they whooped out a pen. It's like that stereotypical, like, oh, you yeah. got me, but I have a special pen. So I thought yeah. that would yeah. work because I was like, I was just like, oh, of course, they whooped out the special spy pen. Is it bad that I didn't like really feel the gore? Like I, I didn't really notice it. You know, maybe it's because I'm a product of this culture we live in. Like Quentin <laughs> Tarantino movies when I was like in middle school. But like something about it just didn't feel bad at any point. You know, I never really. I specifically yeah. noticed that in the movie they didn't have any gore, which I thought was really cool creative decision. Yeah, that was interesting. But, um, yeah. But like I didn't mind it in the book. But then again, that's just me. Yeah, I I feel like if I had read this 10 years ago, I would have been like, oh, no, thanks. But (laughs) reading it today, enough of it came off as funny and satirical that I was like, yeah, I can accept that. And in the first few pages, uh, when I first sat down to read it or when I was flipping through it before I read it, I was Mm -hmm. like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. And then once I got into the story, like three pages in, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm fully on board. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. oh god another part that i really liked about the comic i'm i guess i'm slowly starting to like the comic no but um <laughs> when when the spy saves mark hamill and then they jump off the cliff and then oh my just, no that was oh, good they, they and they just they just, just fall <laughs> and, and the and the, the parachute just pops up and it's the union jack <laughs> and i i yeah. even i even think that the henchmen are like don't laugh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I love that. that I thought that so set good. it up so nicely. That, that that's what I was like. This is gonna be such a funny story, and 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 that's why I was like kind of disappointed when it just wasn't that funny, you know. And, yeah, and I, I, I wanted to say that like I know it's like a British story, and so it's like British humor, but like 
my favorite one of my favorite TV shows is Peep Show, which is like as dry British humor as you could get. Um, I love the British office. So it's like, it's not I, I missed the the mark comedically. It's just like, I think it stopped being funny at many points. Yeah, mm-hmm. I totally yeah. agree. The parts that were funny were funny, but a lot of it wasn't. Exactly. Yeah, but that was really good. And, and I love that they used Mark Hamill. Like, that, like you know, of <laughs> all the actors, especially because that was like before he kind of made a resurgence from Star Wars. Like, he was kind of in the obscurity at that point. Yeah. So it's like a yeah, random he was the person Joker at that point. Yeah, so it kind of, it was really funny to me. So one other thing that I think we haven't really touched on yet, um, the uncle. How'd you feel about him? How'd you feel about the fact that it was the uncle uh, bringing Eggsy into this new world and... Uh, just him as a spy. Nepotism much? You know, like, <laughs> we're talking about a rags to riches story, but like now, but you're like utilizing nepotism to like make it a point about it. Like what makes no, it's very like, here's me trying to get super deep about a story. That's just a fun, quick read. Like <laughs> it, it, you're not supposed to get too invested in, but like, you know, like, what are you trying to say? You know, like, is there, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't give a fuck about the uncle, honestly. I, when he died, it was kind of a shock thing. Cause I was like, whoa, like he, he died. Like, that's fucked up, you know? But at the same time, very conveniently, his glasses were on the entire time so they could reveal the plan to everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Now, like, one of those yeah. moments. So I was already kind of pissed about that. I was like, first of all, Ambrosia tells him everything, like, without a, any problems. Second of all, he has his spy glasses on. So everybody heard it. So it's not like, so if he died, like, everybody else knew. But, um, nah, the uncle was whatever, dude. I was like, why is the uncle caring now all of a sudden? Because the one comment that the mom made at the station, like you come once a year for Christmas. Like if that's really who he is, like, do you really think that that comment's going to fuck him up? But it did. And that made him want to bring his, his exe in. And then he fucking worked his way to the top and then he quit. And then he was like, you know what? Screw spy school. Let's just go straight to the top. And exe was like, all right. All right, Mike. <laughs> like, get out of here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Also, and then, like, at the end, everybody was friends with Gary as if they weren't talking shit about him. Confused. Yeah, yeah. I, because I, the the greatest uh, feeling of all is the feeling of public service, Andre. They were oh, bonding over the feeling of public service. That oh, shit pissed me off. The greatest feeling you. is public service, but, like, they're, like, like driving really expensive cars. They're, like, they're like super luxurious. They're complaining about budget cuts. Like, oh, my God, our mil- a bajillion-dollar budget got cut. We're all facing the cuts. Like, what, like eating at a really fancy restaurant. They all yeah, have, like, that was another thing. Scooch. It started out being kind of satirical of like, oh, would you mind ordering like the slightly less expensive thing because we're facing budget cuts? Yeah, and that was kind of funny. But then it stopped being satirical about it. Yeah, it like okay, and, and then and then and, and then because it stopped being satirical about it, you actually start taking it for what it is, and you're like, so this is just a bunch of like rich people making money off of the government, and um, he's talking shit about. Um, the mom who's on food stamps, but meanwhile, he's here having an, like a million dollar steak and he's like, oh, I'm facing budget cuts. Like, which one? Who's taking the money from corny. the state? Like, you know what I mean? And the, the ultimate, like, the ultimate message was kind of even a poor person can act rich. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. what? Oof. What are you trying to say there? No, yeah, right? Like, it's like, oh, don't don't dress like your friends. Don't talk like your friends. Like, you have to be a gentleman, like, in the terms that we define it by. And that's how you'll know that you're actually a good person. And it's like, or he can be a good person and say whatever the fuck he wants and dress however the fuck <laughs> he wants and still meet rich, might I add. So it's like, what kind of fucking... St- yeah, you know, fuck the uncle. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I was, I, I was shocked. <laughs> I was shocked when he got shot in the head. 
But then I was like, good. Because fuck that guy. <laughs> good. I was like, I was no, like, oh, I, he got shot in the head. Good. Wait, that's how they found out about this secret plot? Oh, that's a bad, oh, that's just a bad storyline. Okay, you didn't really think this through, did you? Were people watching I, while they were fucking? I guess they were. Yeah, Why well, not? only Eggsy was. No, that's another, that's another <laughs> yeah. thing I wanted to say. Like, um, like, can, can we just talk about seduction training? Like, what the yeah, fuck? fuck? Fuck. That, that. was another it thing was that bad. was supposed to be satirical and then maybe didn't make the points it was trying to. Yeah, no, it came off kind of gross. I was I was gonna ask you like, was this trying to be funny? Because I came off like super gross. Like like, it, why would you include that? You know, okay, like it's spies have sex. You know, but okay. Yeah, but even why? James Bond doesn't in a in a better way than these fucking assholes. James Bond is a gentleman. Okay, <laughs> Andre, I thought you I thought you didn't uh, care for the gentlemanly ways. Um, well, here's the thing. I, I believe in not being an asshole, you know? So like, if you want to be a gentleman, <laughs> look, I, I, if you want to be a gentleman, go ahead. I believe in that, that you can be that. But it's like, you can't expect other people to be that. Okay. But at the end of the day, the main philosophy is just don't be an asshole. <laughs> yeah. For me, the uncle, he worked as a James Bond kind of character, uh, except for little moments like that. But, you know, otherwise I was like, I'll accept it. I'll go along with it because at the end of the day, this is just a fun, dumb comic and I'm going to enjoy it for what it is. That's exactly how I felt, you know? So yeah, at the end, I'm, yeah. I feel like all these feelings I'm having are showing up in the podcast. But at the end of the day, I was like, this is just a fun story. Like, don't think too much about it. Just enjoy it and move on, you know? But yep. we're sitting here dissecting the comic. Like, how can I not talk about that? <laughs> yeah. All right. So I think that about wraps it up. Do you guys have any final thoughts before we move on to the movie oh 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 i had a really a really good final thought they just kill mm -hmm. a random person that's the training like that's how you get inducted like that's literally <laughs> gangs gangs do that like you gotta kill a random person that's how you get in but yeah but it's this is with poor, her majesty's royal secret service and it's so. and, and the guy he killed was poor so it was okay mm -hmm. Oof. yeah Oof. well that's a final thought if i've ever heard one um <laughs> All right, yeah, my, my final thoughts, I said what I what I wanted to say before. It's fun. It's decent. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it over many other comics, but if you saw the movie and want to go back and have a curiosity, why not? Yeah. All right, so we're going to take a little break, and then we'll be back for the movie discussion. Hello, podcast listeners. We're the hosts of the DC3Cast. I'm Zach. I'm Vince. And I'm Brian. Each week, we discuss most of the new releases from DC Comics, focusing mainly on Rebirth, Wildstorm, and Young Animal. We also look at the news of the week, discuss the film and television adaptations of DC material, and dig into industry rumors. We've also had a number of DC creators on our show, like Scott Snyder, Jim Lee, Christopher Priest, Steve Orlando, and Joshua Williamson. So, if you like Borat jokes, no bad Dandadio impressions, this is bad, what the f and an in-depth look at DC each week, join us every Wednesday morning at multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. Come get Jurgens with us welcome back we're gonna talk about the movie now <laughs> um so the movie was directed by as i said before matthew vaughn 
He's credited as a co-plotter on the book because he and Mark Miller came up with the idea together. And then Mark Miller went off wrote the book, came back, and then Matthew Vaughn was like, sure, I'll make a movie out of this. But even in taking that, uh, he purposely took a different track. Uh, he saw the things that worked in the comic. He thought, these are the things that I'll use as my base structure. I've used, I've said the word structure like five times this episode. You're like, <laughs> I don't you're regret like any of it. <laughs> um, and yeah, then he just filled it out from there. So the movie was written by Matthew Vaughn and Jane Goldman, who is a frequent collaborator of his. They worked on X-Men First Class together, mm. um, which they co-wrote and he directed. Uh, they also that was a good one. have co-written a few other things. What, was, was that it? Andre? That oh, was yeah, a good wait, one. Yeah, I really no, liked that X-Men movie. That was the yeah, one with the plane, too. right? The, the plane yes. at the end. Oh, yeah. No, mm -hmm. that's the best yeah. one. That's the best one. <laughs> and so the movie first premiered in late 2014. So it's technically from 2014, but it had a wide release in early 2015. Vaughn actually chose to do this movie instead of the sequel to X-Men First Class, which was Days of Future Past. The one that sucked. Uh, yeah, that's a bad yes. one. I mean, personally, I liked it. It wasn't that bad. No, it was all right. It just wasn't like great. It's, in my it, opinion. it wasn't first class yeah first class was really good and it set up some real high expectations you know yeah so the scripts for both days of future past and uh and this ended up being finished at the same time so he had to choose whether wow. he wanted to go with you know this i think 800 million dollar movie or this rather smaller movie for a big budget studio mm -hmm. and it was both through 20th century fox so um damn yeah he decision he was like you know what? Kingsman is more me. I'm going to do Kingsman. Nice. And that's impressive. I respect that because I respect that too. Hey, it still ended up being a huge, you know, success. No, and that was it awesome. Continued his career too in a way that I don't think X Men would have. If 100%. You know. No. 100%. Yeah. Good on him. So, when faced with two great options, pick one of the great options, essentially. <laughs> Andre. You are like the oracle. No, the oracle. <laughs> you're like the I'm oracle. I'm like that mystical like person in the video game where you go to and they tell you like the, the special quest. And, and I tell you like because I look into the future and stuff and I'm like, that actually is the oracle. Yeah, so maybe that, that reference was right. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you got to stick to your guns, Nick. Uh, Andre, you are the oracle. Thanks. So getting into this movie, overall thoughts. We started with Andre last time. Luke, how's, how about you? What says you? Um, I know that you saw this movie before, so you might be a little different from we are. Um, yeah. Um, this is the quintessential dad movie. It's it's just like James Bond movies. It's it's funny. The cinematography is great. The lighting is great. The characters are great. The story is great. Dads um, love great lighting. Dads love lighting. Dads love my lighting. you know how many light bulbs my dad sends me and he's like here's some more light bulbs and then i go my dad, dad. sends me these led light bulbs that he's yeah. like i got this off of ebay they're from china directly and they're like really energy efficient and i'm like okay uh yeah i love this movie so much it's so good i was really excited when i saw it on the i didn't list. realize you were a dad luke i am a these movies are my guilty pleasure if i have i wrote down in my notes if I have the chance to watch The Lighthouse or Kingsman. 
I'll go for the Oh, my God. Man. You're so pretentious. Get out of here. <laughs> oh, fuck you. Like, Why Guilty, first of all? It's a great movie. <laughs> no, they're great movies. They're great movies. I when, when Nick, you were saying that he took the best parts of the comic uh, and then put it into this movie, basically, he just took the skeleton and then made it his own thing completely. Like, mm -hmm. the he kept the eggsy and being poor and eco-fascism and that's it basically and he just ex expounded upon that's the word right mm -hmm. he expanded, expanded upon yeah he expanded upon this lackluster story and made it i know for a fact one of the most unique movies of 2015 and probably i can very much see the influence of this movie in modern day action movies that aren't like Marvel and DC like you know stuff like that like I've yeah, noticed there's been a there's been a in my opinion there's been a, a very much of a flip between uh you know how action movies are shot or portrayed now mm -hmm. compared to before this movie came out and when, I can when, when did Avengers come out the first 2012. one 2012 okay so that that was already starting like th that kind of started that wave though no like, but I think the action wave but I, I get what Luke is saying, and I read an interview with Matthew Vaughn, and he was saying, uh, basically, he, he wasn't taking credit for, for anything. It actually, it was an interview from when the movie first came out, mm -hmm. and he was saying, um, yeah, basically that, how uh, he wanted to do a more, like, fun action movie because he felt like action movies had really, really gotten away from that. And so that was the overriding direction for him. Mm. And but I think that he even started that with Kick Ass. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I completely forgot about Kick Ass. Yeah. yeah. And also I think those both take uh a lot of excuse me, a lot of uh inspiration from Edgar Wright movies. Like I think this movie had a very Shaun of the Dead, mm -hmm. uh hot fuzz, Scott Pilgrim yeah. feel to it. There's even yeah. there's even a lot of like Edgar Wright shots that they used mm -hmm. with like, you know, quick whip panning and stuff like that that you really don't normally see in action movies like oh god just the fact that uh so many of these so many of the action uh scenes had so good. not so not very long cuts <clears throat> like long long takes for each each cut but they had more than the normal amount like each each shot is a second instead of half a second so you can actually feel the impact of the punching or the kicking or the gun shoot, shooting and stuff like that instead of something like a Bourne movie where there's a good example where there's like 72 cuts in like five seconds. Yeah, it felt much more grounded. It felt, uh, even though it was an action movie, it, it like like you said, it felt like more of a comedy comedy action movie. A hybrid basically not even not even a action comedy it was it was a hybrid and yeah i i i uh i loved it e to the fact that i watched the second one because i realized i had never watched the second one and oh boy <laughs> that one's bad but we're not talking about that one whenever matthew vaughn leaves a project it just starts going downhill <laughs> yeah. actually he did direct that second one oh. and I think he wrote it too yeah. oh. oh that's oh. disappointing that's really disappointing yeah. well, he and jane goldman yeah you fucked up but Matthew. andre what were your uh what were your overall thoughts? 
I pretty much agree with Luke. I um I really I really enjoyed it. First of all, I don't really know Matthew Vaughn as a director. I I know you guys are talking about like how he it had some Edgar Wright feeling. I don't think it was in, even inspired by him though. I just feel like he had his own real vision. Um, like the action scenes were shot like something like what I've never seen before. Shot action scenes scenes that have been shot like that where it was like one long continuous take and it would like slightly zoom in but it was like the same shot yeah, and then it would yeah, be like slow yeah. for a second and then it would almost be like stop motion for a second it was very unique and i've never seen that before so i thought i thought that that was like really unique to him and um mm -hmm. i was like this guy's cool and then when i found out he made first class i was like oh this guy's cool he's like a pretty successful dude he's done some pretty good stuff he's just not a really big like name it seems but um i thought that it the movie was great um i enjoyed it a lot and I thought it took everything that was great about the book and then it fixed everything that was wrong with the book. And it executed yeah. perfectly in terms of tone, in terms of character, in terms of just plot. Um, I didn't really see a lot of shortcomings. I thought that it was really, it, it really knew what it was doing in a way that I felt like the book kind of needed a little bit more help to like explain mm -hmm. to itself what it was doing, you know? <laughs> yeah. I loved it though. And for my overall thoughts, I agree totally with you guys. And I feel like it had the same sort of save the cat mentality where mm -hmm. it very much follows like in screenwriting school, this is how you write a screenplay, yeah. but it did it all so well. And it used that just as the basis for all of these really fun action scenes. And that was the real draw of the movie. But, but, but on day. top of that, on top of that though, just to add on to what you're saying, like one of the things that the book did badly was that it had that mentality and it was self-aware of the fact that it had that mentality and it, made you know that it was self-aware, but then they never really did anything with it in terms of satire. And what the yeah. movie did is it took that and it actually made it satire. Um, yeah. It actually yeah. spoofed um, spy movies um, in a way that you don't see. It, it wasn't like a James Bond movie at all. It was like completely like like joking, like like that scene where the heads explode. I mean, they're fireworks. That was so oh. fucking funny. Or the so scene funny. where the yeah. lady slices him down the middle. Anyway. When she got like all the, the, the bedding and sheets and stuff like that and tossed them to Mark Hamill and so she yeah. could like yeah. cover up the bodies before Samuel L. Jackson's character walks in. Like that's so good. Like yeah. mm -hmm. you you couldn't do that. You couldn't do that in the comic just because it wouldn't come off as funny. It would come off as like serious i don't there's something about the way that when you drag out a scene like that that is um different in movies than it would be in a comic in a comic like that would be a few panels or something in a movie like you have this long silent scene where she's just covering dead bodies and it's like more you comical. literally have time you, to yeah. yes yeah. yeah so part of that uh the flashy directing that we were talking about um a big part of it to me was the music and the music the soundtrack was sort of split between these pop songs that were not contemporary. They're older pop songs. And uh, part of it was just your typical action movie music, which was by Henry Jackman and Matthew Margison. Margison. Mm -hmm. I think it autocorrected, so I'm not sure how to spell his name <laughs> or pronounce it. But um, yeah, I think that those two uh, people, they made the music on things like Captain America Civil War and oh, Captain America... Really? Um, the Winter Soldier. Yeah. And you can totally tell when I was listening to it, I was like, this sounds like almost like the Avengers uh, theme where it's something that you notice when the uh, the motif keeps playing over mm -hmm. and over. Uh -huh. uh, but I was sure that by the next day I would forget what it sounded like. And lo and behold, <laughs> I have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it worked in the moment, but you forget. 
But um, really, I think what set the soundtrack apart was the use of those pop songs. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I like that. What, what better example than the scene in the church where they're fucking playing? I think it was Freebird, but Freebird. the guitar yeah. solo part. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Like that was so good. Like that that scene was intense. Um, obviously that scene was like went viral um many times for various reasons. But um, that was really great use of that song in that moment. It felt perfect. Um, mm -hmm. and that was like the best part of the movie. One of the best parts of the movie for me, outside of the hair, he the heads explode exploding. Yeah. That was that was so it's a pomp funny. and circumstance. Yeah. That was so good. <laughs> Yeah, so like the use of that was the use of those these popular songs like really elevated some of those action sequences. It really added on that this isn't just an action movie. This is this is something different. Like we're gonna play Freebird during a five minute uh bloodbath. Yeah, bloodbath. <laughs> one cut that's not really one like one one shot that's not really one shot. Like mm -hmm. it's all stitched. And I have no idea how they did those shots. It, oh my I, gosh. I, I watched a video about this. Um, basically, whenever there was like a zoom in or if really if someone came in front of the camera, that yeah. was then another cut. And they just like stitch. Oh. They use the they use uh, plates of the the people fighting to make it feel more natural, like these cuts more natural. Oh. Like looking at that video and then watching it uh, when I did, I can I could count it was like four or five six cuts or well so, so it was, that, but was it in a green screen no no they just they i think they'd all did it on location and oh they just God, like, that choreography and stuff man, like that so good it was yeah seamless. that's like not i'm not just talking about the choreography of the like main people who are Camera. fighting each other in the foreground i'm talking about the entire background too because yeah. all of that had to be consistent yeah. Oh my gosh, you're right. I didn't even think That's about that. It's, it's literally it's, like a hundred people fighting each other. And then Freebird on there, bam. But Pomp and Circumstance really got me though. Like that one really yeah. got me. Because it was like <laughs> oh, do, 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 bah, bah, bah. But I just like that was when I was like, this movie is flat out hilarious. Because up until that point, it was building on the comedy um, on like really funny moments, but like it really got really funny towards the end. Like by the end, it was hilarious. I was like, this I was cracking up during that whole head exploding scene. And I was like, I'm <laughs> laughing at heads exploding. I never thought this would happen. It was too good. Too good. And oh, it was man. so long. And it was very, it was so stylized that like, it didn't look like gore. Like you said yeah. before. Yeah. It was just like, it looked like fireworks. <laughs> it, was. it was though. That was the thing that was funny. It was, it was fireworks. There was no gore. Yeah. Yeah, and it, yeah, because it was like instead of blood, it was this like confetti. pink or purple or blue—not just yeah. confetti, but like the guts yeah, <laughs> were yeah, those it, colors. It, so, yeah, it was yeah. like like liquid smoke, like that when you when like you pour <laughs> when you pour oil into water and then it just like sinks down. Like it was like that, except shooting yes. up. It's too good, yeah. and that was something you can only do in movies too, because like again, like the totally. length of that scene is what made it so hilarious. Like you can't, mm -hmm. you wouldn't be able to pull it off in a comic. Yeah. yeah, and the choreography and mm -hmm. yeah, all that. I love how cheeky the movie was. Like, like for example, Mark Hamill was in the first scene, but he was Dr. Arnold, you know? Yeah. yeah. He still yeah. died. Or like, you know, like the special effects were, were purposely cheesy. Um, it was really, I love that tone about it. It was, it was really, it was really like self-aware and like of what, like the comic and how silly it all was, you know. I really love that cheeky tone. Yeah, but uh, at the same time, a lot of the story 
was changed and not just expanded on, like we said before, but I mean, the biggest thing for me was that Eggsy's family had a really small focus, like compared to, I said in the comic, probably a third of the comic Mm -hmm. was that Uh, in the movie, it probably amounted to maybe five to 10% of the screen time total, Mm -hmm. probably closer to five. And part of that is because in a movie, like they were able to expand and do a whole bunch of other scenes. And if you're going to do so many scenes, why focus on that stuff? That's really just an emotional backbone when you could add more and more and more and more action scenes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I also thought that like what they removed was um, warranted. And I think that they were still able to execute some level of empathy, like towards like the background of the family with Mm -hmm. the little that they had. Yeah. Agreed. So it's like, if we and, could do more with less, why wouldn't we? So we could do these awesome head explosions, you know? <laughs> I don't and blame them. Part of, that, part of that consolidation of the story and the emotional beats was making the uncle not actually the uncle. So the, yeah. the mentor character wasn't Eggsy's uncle. Um, Eggsy's uncle no longer exists in the movie. Oh, thank <laughs> um, God. It was his dad was shot and killed on a mission 16, 17 years prior. Yeah. And uh, now this guy who was his friend is the one mentoring him. But I will say that it lost a little bit of that emotional pull when he died, though, because like there mm-hmm. it was more of like a buddy buddy relationship. And obviously it's still horrible to find out that this person died. But it's like that is the one part where it was like, yo, like his uncle died in the comic. That was his one family member he looked up to, like outside of his mm-hmm. mom. But like that was his, the one person who. So I felt like in the in the movie, they did kind of lose that with the uncle. But honestly, it still worked. It was still great. Yeah, it took me a few minutes to readjust, but mm-hmm. after those few minutes, I was like, this is better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, Andre, we talked about this off um, off air, but you mentioned how you really liked the character designs and you felt like um, you felt like in the comic and mm-hmm. you felt like they were unique and that you were just not sure how or if that could ever translate into uh, the movie. And about that, Number one, I want to hear your thoughts. But number two, I just want to say, when casting a movie, your your lead is going to be a good-looking person, like, no matter what. And that's yeah, not I mean, what Exy was in the comic. So how did you feel about it? Yeah, so I was telling you before I watched the movie, like, I, I don't know what the movie's like. I know it's popular. It's probably pretty good. But um, at first glance, I can I feel like the casting is off. Like, the uncle looks a little bit too old. The Exy looks a little bit, like, too posh, like, polished, you know? It didn't feel like that, that like, dirty, like like grungy background that I got from the book. But um, I didn't love that. But then when I watched it, it really surprisingly worked. The actors were great. Like um, all of them pulled off their parts really great. I also didn't realize that they changed the plot so much in the movie. So with the changes that they made in the movie, it worked better. Exy, mm-hmm. I mean, they probably could have done a better job, like making him look a little bit like grungier and more like, like. but I, I thought it was okay. Like I didn't, I really don't think yeah. that it it was that bad. Uh, after watching yeah. the movie you have to really watch it to feel if the casting is right or not and it was i thought the casting was pretty decent considering the changes they made and the costume design made me laugh because like eggsy doesn't look like uh someone of his background he, <laughs> he looks look like yeah. he looks like a stylized image Weeb. that someone would have of what someone from yeah. his background would be yeah yeah, yeah. and oh, that was definitely. that was it worked though it, yeah, it that I, I think it worked because he's a really good actor. If he wasn't that great of an actor, he w- it, it wouldn't have been pu- pulled off as nicely. Because I agree, like at, like like I said at first glance, 
you think, nah, that's not it. Like he's clearly not that. But um, but yeah, he's he was a, he was a really good actor. So I was I was he did a really good job with the, his part. I don't know what his name is, but he did awesome. And he, it's Taron Egerton actually, gotcha. which is funny. It's sexy. Um, oh, wow. And he he did that parkour shot. Yeah. You know? I love that. That amazed me. I was like, "Whoa!" I love. There's no stunt doubles here. You can't hide a stunt double in these. I love. I love how there was literally one parkour shot in the whole movie. Unless I missed (laughs) something, like it's. I I wrote it down in my notes. It's so unnecessary, but it's so great. Like, of course it was necessary. Of course it was necessary. They. That's more important than the family drama. Like, we need to see some parkour shit. But, but it was like a solid it wasn't 30 even seconds like... of him jumping building to building. The best part was when he jumped and he was down there. Everyone's like, hey, Axie, we'll get you next time. And like, and he's like <laughs> flicking them off. And it's like, they all have guns. They all have guns. <laughs> like, bro, just take out your gun and shoot him. But it was like, okay, whatever. That was some cool not hardcore shit. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. It was great. Everything was great. It was one of those movies that it's like, I don't give a fuck what you do. As long as it's fun and it's exciting. I'm down. I'm down, you know. I don't care if it makes sense or not. So, Andre, listeners probably don't know, but you recently got a dog. How did you feel about all the dog stuff in this movie? So I totally <laughs> was going to say this as my thoughts, like, of the movie, single-handedly, puppies. It was so cute. <laughs> like, the movie was great, but the puppies, oh, my God. So, like, I thought that was so fucking cute. Like, I was dying on the inside. And I love how he picked a little pug who was like a little tenacious pug. I was like, oh, my God, this is so freaking beautiful. And I was like really ins- I loved how they had a little doggy bed in front of there. But I'm sorry, I became like an intense dog person when I got my dog. But like then he had to shoot the dog. This is my one note. This is the note I was going to say. And I said it before. Can we all <laughs> just agree that Roxy, even though she was really nice to Eggsy, she's a fucking monster because mm-hmm. who would shoot your own dog? <laughs> it's a goddamn a job. job. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. Like, that's fucked up. At the end of the day, she didn't actually shoot it, but it she had matter. the intention to kill her dog. It's the philosophy. That, yeah. I don't give a fuck. It was messed up. Yeah. It was messed up. That's some bullshit. It doesn't matter too. what the end. It doesn't matter what happens afterwards. It's what the choice that she made in the moment. It's the choice that she made. And also, can we just talk about, like, what the fuck is this? Like, the, this Kingsman training. Like, you have to shoot your dog now. We have to see how strong you are. It's like. Are you kidding me? As if like not revealing anything about the organization you're working for while a train is bolting at you is not enough. Like, are you seriously telling me like, so I thought that him not shooting his dog clearly as a character choice made him a, such a better person than all of mm-hmm. them because it was like he was above that posh bullshit like that, that was all full of like traditions like fuck that. I'm like, I'm, I'm real, you know, I'm not going to kill a dog for you guys. I thought that made him a stronger person. Not only did he save the cat, well, it was a fox in the movie, but did he yeah. save the cat in the beginning? He also saved the dog. Yeah. So, like, so that, there's no way that you can dislike this character. There now. was a re- super <laughs> emphasis on him being just, like, awesome, like like a really good person, you know? And um, so, yeah, um, I love the dog inclusion, though. It was really cute, like, having them puppies and then having them grow through through the time, like, through the through their training and then them eventually being super trained. Like, that was... Obviously not necessary, but like, like you said, there's a commercial appeal. Like who doesn't like seeing puppies being like good good (laughs) boys, you know, like, like that was too good. So we haven't talked about the villain. Uh, How'd you guys feel about Samuel Jackson's uh, portrayal of him? He was definitely very colorful. (laughs) I I enjoy, I enjoy the representation of people with speech impediments in movies. (laughs) So see a lot of people. Okay. 
that was something I found interesting. A lot of people who don't have speech impediments were uh, complaining about it. And, you know, <laughs> I think it should be up to the minority who is being depicted to. Yeah, no, I liked it. Or like, and he actually does have a stutter in real life. Like mm-hmm. maybe the, the uh, you know, I it was maybe like a little over the top, but what was he going to do? Have a, like if he just had a normal British accent or used his Samuel Jackson accent, it wouldn't have been as memorable. He would have just been this villain. Yeah. Like normal shitty villain. In his mind, he said that he thought of the character's backstory as being he had a lisp when he was younger and nobody took him seriously. And I was like, man, that makes perfect sense for this character. Yeah, it like, did. I, I think that's that's great. And especially for someone who's like a tech genius and really successful in tech, I yeah. feel like there's like little things that like they were probably bullied about when they were younger. Like that's a very generalizing statement, mm-hmm. but I feel like it is true in a lot of ways. For a lot yeah. Of people. yeah. It would make sense that why he became an eco-fascist, like just explains everything. <laughs> No, Samuel Jackson did an awesome job. Like he he really killed it with that character. So, what were you guys' favorite action scenes? Oh, the church. I mean, the church is like <laughs> the church. Like the church is like the action scene in the entire thing. But there's a the church, head explosion the pub. count as an action scene. Yes, head explosion I, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but the church was so good. Also, mm-hmm. really satisfying that scene in the bar, like the pub, the first time. Yeah, and the like, second time. The second time, but I, I, I wish they went further. Like, I just would love to see that scene again, like putting those assholes in their place. In, in the comics, I really enjoyed how like those scenes where he was like, fuck you guys for being assholes. I keep doing this horrible British accent every time I try to mimic them. But I love everyone. Thanks. They're thanks. all slightly different. Yeah. So it was really <laughs> satisfying when he like kicked their asses. So I, I really like that scene too. But yeah, head explosion. Obviously, the church scene was like legendary, but how many scenes were there? I don't even know. Oh, there you go. You, you have a little what? list here. The, the action scenes there's a surprising a lot of them though the, the only one that i didn't cool. the only one that i didn't like is probably the parachute scene but i do appreciate <gasps> i do appreciate that the skydiving is real it's not on a green screen so That's they crazy. had people skydiving that is fucking crazy that was real skydiving definitely you you can tell. i love that scene that, that I was that. probably I was going to say that's my favorite one outside of the two obvious ones, which yeah. are the head exploding and the church scene. That, that was yeah, yeah. my favorite. I would like, say that that's can, really up there. It was so exhilarating. I was literally sweating. I was like <laughs> yeah. on the edge of my seat screaming at my TV. I was like, pair up, guys. It's so yeah. obvious. Yeah, know, and then exactly. the one does his thing and I was like, no. <laughs> you, you no can, so good. That was a really good scene. Oh, my gosh. I don't that that one like got me like I was shaking. I was shaking in that one. And 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 also like the 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 chase scene in the beginning of the movie is so much better than how it is in the comic. Like mm-hmm. in the comic, it's just a regular chase a, scene. It's just a yeah. three-page wet fart. <laughs> no, Whereas I, no, in no. the movie, in the comic, in it's the comic, like, this is cool. This it, is it fun. Works. In the comic, it works because it was just like the concept of what was going on. It was more about the like emotional story beats as opposed to having a chase scene like you mm-hmm. would in a movie in yeah. the movie it becomes a completely different thing it's an exhilarating experience i had like baby driver slash fast and furious vibes with it i like i, I was so into that too mm-hmm. yeah like it the movie did a much better job at showing Eggsy's talents instead of in the comic where they were like 
oh, you were in the Marine, like uh, mm-hmm. going to do the Marines and you got all these high scores on your things. And yeah, we're not going to show you firing guns, but you're great at it, you know, or like, yeah, this guy, like it, the chase scene, I don't think the car is going backwards in the book. No. I think they're, no, yeah, it's not. And in the, in the movie, it's like, oh, this guy knows how to get away from cops backwards and do but all also, these crazy things. So he must have some it, sort of innate talent instead of just being, you know, the wonder child in the comic. Yeah. And also from a writing and directing standpoint, they're like, okay, how do we take this fun thing and make it even wilder? Yeah. Yeah. If you're a dad, uh, if if you're a dad that likes combing through the channels at 11 o'clock at night on a Wednesday, it'll probably be showing on like HBO or something like that. So you can just watch it halfway through and get the story like all dads do. And, and uh, at the end and, of the day, it is all about the action scenes. You don't even yeah. need to follow the plot. Right? You don't. You really don't. <laughs> Luke, you know, before we leave, I just want to say I was missing one of Luke's like very specific stories. So I'm glad I got a little <laughs> bit of that. Like if you're a dad on a Wednesday, <laughs> like, <laughs> I was waiting for one of those. Like if you're at a bar and you're like eating cereal and like, you know, you got socks on. <laughs> like I was waiting for one of those. <laughs> Listen, those have all happened to me at one point. <laughs> Oh man. Cool. So, all right. Preferences. I don't think we even need to say it, but let's say it. Movie. Unity vote. Andre. Movie. Movie. Wait, we got to say it in unison. Ready? One, two, three. Movie. 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 Um, Wow. This is our second ever (laughs) Unity vote, and it's right after the last time when we all voted book. We don't mess around. Like, we have to do one for one, one for the other one, right after each other. Like, we're serious. So, I hope that next episode is our most divisive yet. But before it, we get to that, um, <laughs> it's like I pick movie, quote. you pick book. Luke picks like a third thing that isn't even any of the two things. Watch. <laughs> he picks the animated series from the 80s. <laughs> um, all right. So our closing quote. This one is from Dave Gibbons, the artist of the book. And it was from a CBR comic book resources interview that was reprinted in the back of the trade paperback. To me, to have a movie made of your work is not the final validation of it. Comics have a whole validity and a whole position of their own. I think that's very valuable and should be maintained. And later on, he said, I think you always have to play to the strengths of the medium you're working in and make whatever changes or compromises are necessary to make it work best in the form in which you're expressing it. Mark and I are quite clear. There's the comic over here. There's the movie when it comes out over there. The two are completely separate enterprises. So interesting. So wise. This guy's awesome. And really, um, interviews with Matthew Vaughn, he said pretty much the same thing. And I think that comes ultimately back to Mark Miller and the fact that he's like, he I think that's his philosophy. And so mm-hmm. his, yeah, he cares about both mediums a lot. Yeah. And so I think he finds collaborators who think that way as well. Yeah, that's cool. Good, good for him. All right. So next month, we're going to be doing The Adventures of Tintin by Hergé. Mm-hmm. We're going to be doing volumes 9, 11, and 12 which are The Crab with the Golden Claws, The Secret of the Unicorn, and Red Rackham's Treasure. And the movie is going to be the 2011 The Adventures of Tintin 3D animated movie directed by Steven Spielberg. You can follow us online at Panels in Motion on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find our show on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. And if you use any of those, especially Apple Podcasts, rate and review us, um, subscribe, do all that you need to do to help our podcast reach as many people as possible because Show us some love yeah number one everyone loves some love and number two i can't top that really i was gonna say 
you know, you want us to be reaching as many years as possible. But at the end of the day, it's it's all about love. Love, baby. All right. So we'll see you all next episode. Or some Tintin. Peace out. Peace. Bye.